Well, we're going to have some kind of a wild, awesome, glorious, wonderful night tonight. You know, Mary Fran prophesied over me and Lisa and said, things are about to change. And man, she wasn't joking. We started, the Lord's been dealing with me along different lines of things to preach that I have always believed and I've touched on them, but I've never really spent a lot of time preaching on certain subjects. What changed then? The time we're living in. I think that the average, we're going to talk about the Bama seat and we're going to get in tonight how to overcome fear. Because that seems to be binding people up. And I'm going to show you how to overcome it. You might be a little shocked at how you do it, but you can do it. Thank you. So let's start off. So I'm going to talk about the Bama Seat of Christ. And the Bama Seat, one place is referred to as the Judgment Seat of Christ. And um, Romans, let's go to Romans 14 and verse 10. Why do you then judge your brother? Why do you show contempt for your brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of you will give an account of himself to God. Now the same scripture is also 2 Corinthians 5.10. I want to read that one so you'll know that they put it in your Bible twice, 510. It says, for we must all appear before the judgment seat. The word judgment is the Greek word bema, B-E-M-A, that each one may receive the things done in his body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. This is not the great white throne judgment. Let's look at one more scripture, and please forgive me, I didn't give you this one. Uh, Revelation 20, 12, I'll let her give her time to put it up. What is the Bema Seat of Christ? What is it? Well, we all, we all know and understand that we are not under damnation, and we will not be at the great white throne judgment. The great white throne judgment is when every person who's ever lived all the way to the end of the millennial reign will be raised from the dead. Hell, which is nothing more than the county jail, will be emptied. And every person will give an account of themselves to God. And we're talking people who are not saved. God's going to give them an opportunity to say, I lived my good life, I did all this. And God's going to have a, a video of their life for them and show them you really weren't as hot as you thought you were. Now, one of the ways he does that is that every time you holler at someone you stole from me, all of the records of your stealing come up before God. And since nobody's ever kept the word, you might want to quit using the Bible to run around beating everybody up with because you don't keep it either. So, I want to read this to you. I saw the dead. This is, this is um, um, I don't know, the great white. Small and great, standing before God, and books. Say books. Books were open. Now, we have always heard about the, the book of life. My name is written in the Lamb's book of life. 
But God has books, uh, lots of them. And when we stand before God, there's going to be a lot of books. I, I watched a, a, a video one day of a man who went to heaven, and right after he got born again, he died shortly thereafter, and the angel took him to heaven, and he went, wow, I made it. And he said, well, you got born again last week, didn't you? And, and he said, I did. And he said, an angel writes down everything you do. And the angel told him the moment he confessed Jesus. And see, whether you know this or not, there are angels who follow you around, and they write everything down. Now, if you're living right, you like that. Because God's not missing anything you did good. And you will be rewarded. We're going to talk about rewards now. And we're going to get into it. He also writes down all the junk you did wrong. Now, he's not doing that to ship you to hell. He's doing that because when we all step in the millennial reign and for eternity, you are going to, everything that happens to you from then on is based on your obedience here. Everything. And I mean, he has every penny down to the cent. He has every curse word, every hair numbered. He has it all written down. Everything that you could ever wonder about you, how many eyelashes you had in 1978. He's got a record of it. That's pretty extensive. So you can't ask God a question. He can't say, angel, get the book and open it up and let's find out how they did. Now, that's a positive. Could be a negative. So, now see here, you already started getting quiet. Okay, 1 Corinthians 4, 5, turn there. We're going to look at a lot of Scripture tonight because i got to build a case. 1 Corinthians 4, 5. Now, why am I preaching this? Ha, ha, ha. Because there needs to be a motive in your life to do what you're supposed to be doing. When I was a kid, I often got sick at my stomach on test day. And my mother would ask me, are you not feeling good? And mom, I, I, my stomach hurts. And she never could figure out what was making me ill. I'm going to school and I didn't study. Always got sick. Because I knew I was not going to get a good grade. And I already knew that if I didn't sit next to someone smart, I'm in trouble. Now, I had enough brains that I could listen in class and pass, but not royally. I just got home and threw my books in the corner and went and played. Had a dog, had a gun, had a river, had a canoe, had a, you know. And I was just, I, I'm out of school and I, I'll, be, I'll be the heck if I'm going to go back in there and read some more. And that was my attitude, you know, and I'm thinking this old homework stuff, it ain't for me. And mom never asked. Now, I'm not dumb, just ignorant. You know the difference. I just, there's things I just didn't read. Now, I loved history, so I read history books on my own. And I'm good at math. I do math problems in my head. I can just sit back and go, oh, 427. And I've always been able to do that. 
So that's just thank God for at least a certain amount of intelligence going on here. <laughs> but English, the heck with English. Proverbs and adjectives and all that other junk. I mean, I don't give a care anything about all that mess. You know, even Mark Twain couldn't spell, you know, and my mother didn't want to hear that. But anyway, so, you know, the thing about it is if you're not ready, a lot of times we're not, there's no motivation for you to do what God said because you think, I'm just saved and that's all there is. That's not true. That's not true. If you know there's a reward, there's a great motivation to do right. I'm going to tell you what motivates me. I will stand before him and give an account. That is my highest, grandest motivation. Now, I'm going to tell you all something. I have the potential to be mean if I wanted to be. I don't take a lot of mess off people. But I don't because I'm scared of him. Thank you. Thank you all. Not afraid of him. I'm just scared of him. I already know he has the potential to fix me now. I don't steal because I know he sees everything. And I am, I try my best to be a good pastor. I try myself to be a best husband, to be a good father. I don't, I don't think I'm one, I don't think I do royally in all areas. But I know that because I know that there's coming a day when he's going to open the books and he's going to have like an accounting system. You, what did you do with that money? What, what would you do with that money that was in your church? What did you do with that person? What did you do in that circumstance? Why did you do that? And I know that that day is coming and I want to be able to go. I want to hear, I want to see a smile when I walk in. I, I, I want to. Good to see you. I'm going, whew, okay. That's we're starting off this one good. But that is a big, big deterrent. Now, let me prove that to you. I'm going to prove it to you. How many of y'all have places in Apopka that you have had speeding tickets before? Some of you never had a speeding ticket before in your life. Bless your darling heart. How many of you... When you go down that road, even now, have flashbacks of that $200 share revenue coupon that you got at that spot. And you slow down, though no cop is there right now. You know you do it. I do it. There's a place off near Bear Lake where Dan Leggett used to live over there. An old motorcycle cop sitting behind a tree one day, and speed limit's 25. Well, I know it now. I know what it is now. I'm coming down the road doing about 45, and he goes, woo, and pulls me over, and I'm going, what'd I do? And he goes, yeah, you're 20 miles over the speed limit. I go, 20 miles over the speed limit. And he, sh he wrote me a share revenue coupon, thanked me for the Christmas bonus, and, I, and I'm like, at a time when I didn't have $200, and I just went 45 down that road all the time, and I think 45's like slow. But he didn't think it was too slow. But I can tell you right now, ever since that day happened, I've never sped on that road ever again. <laughs> Am I the only one in here? So sometimes I think knowing 
that they're out there helps you with your driving. Lisa, does it help you with yours at all? Does you, do, do you ever drive along and go, what are you looking for? Blue lights. <laughs> Look at my speedometer, making sure I'm in, I'm in speed limit plus grace. 45 is 49. Never mind. I don't think anybody understands anything I just said. They're just looking at me like a dog at a new bowl. It is a great deterrent, and it is also a great blessing knowing that you're going to be rewarded for what you did that he told you to do. Great incentive to me to, to stand and say, you're well done, good and faithful servant. Okay, 1 Corinthians 4, 5, verse 5. Therefore judge nothing before the time until the Lord comes who will bring both to light the hidden things of darkness and reveal the counsels of the heart. Then each one's praise will come from the Lord. So there's coming a day when, when everything you've done, good, bad, and ugly, comes to light. And a lot of people say, I thought it was under the blood. Well, I, I'm going to argue with you on that one. People say, well, God forgot it. Ask him about David and Bathsheba and ask him, has he forgotten it? He wrote a whole book on it. And then let you read it. Oh, you're scaring me. Listen, you're going to be there with a lot of other numb nuts. So just, just lighten up a little bit. You're going to be fine. The whole crowd of us will be imperfect. But listen, you know, everybody knows about Jonah's debacle. It isn't that you're not forgiven. It's just that God never told you that nobody would ever know about it. You know, you're going to be in heaven and go, oh, there goes that guy over there. He never did nothing. He's here, but he ain't never done nothing God told him to do. I don't want that to be me. Amen? Okay. So, aren't you glad? Now, listen. In the current circumstance in America, aren't you glad that there are people in Washington that will get their due? I, 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 am, I am like... I'm going to tell a story, and I know people don't agree with this, but had it not been Wigglesworth. But um, when, when Lester Summerall walked into Wigglesworth's house, he had a newspaper under his arm, and he walked in, and Smith pulled it out and threw it out in the yard and said, you can come in, but that trash can't come in my house. He's, and then he looked at Lester and said, Hitler will be in hell soon. Come in. And I'm going, I'm pretty brutal. But he's there now. Now, to me, that's not, that's not our fault that they're there. It's not our fault that people are going. But we're not going. Say amen. amen. All right. But, so we're not going to the great white throne judgment, but we are going to give an account. So that's my point today. All right. Go, go to Titus 1.16 and let me back up and prove this to you. Let me prove it to you. Um, I think so, Titus. I read this one day, and, and um, because in our society today, we are, the gospel is preached, and you hear me say this all the time, and I'm just going to say it to you again. Come to Jesus, go to heaven. Well, there's a lot of book here that is not necessary. 
And folks, it is necessary. So let me make another statement to you about the Bible. The Bible is a pretty strong book. It's a strong book. If preaching on living right is scaring you, you aren't reading the Bible. Because the book itself has the ability to weed and feed. There are scriptures that I read and go, ooh. You know, are you, do you do that? I read them and go, wow, that'll check. More of that. I need more. I better make an adjustment. And, um, and so having said that, there's a lot of stuff in here that is no longer being preached. You need a diet of the Bible every day of your life, a diet of your own Bible. Don't wait on me. I get you twice a week. Don't wait on me to preach everything I know. I could start Monday and preach for four, five, eight hours a day, seven days a week and not cover what you need to know. And, what, and you need to know it because it's written in the Word of God. All right, Titus I'm going to read a few of these. One sixteen, it says, They profess to know God, but in works they deny him being abominable, abominable snowman, disobedient and disqualified for every good what? Work. Chapter 2, verse 7, In all things showing yourself to be a pattern of good works in doctrine showing integrity, reverence, and incorruptibility. Titus 2, 14, who gave himself for us that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good works. Chapter 3, verse 8, verse, yeah. This is a faithful saying, and these things I want to affirm constantly, those who have believed in God should be careful to maintain good works works. These things are good and profitable to men. And then chapter 3, verse 14, and let our people also learn to maintain good works to meet urgent needs that they not, may not be unfruitful. It's talking about Christians not being fruitful. I'm going to read something that I wrote down here and, and um, uh, just listen to this. Um, Miles Monroe makes this statement and you were never born to be a success. That is a worthless life. You were born to make a difference. That is the grassroots starting point of all vision. You and I were put on the earth to make a difference. That is success. Success is not having more money than the next guy, having a nicer house, having a nicer car. All those things are good. That is to a Christian, not primary. You and I were placed on the earth, and God put giftings in you, and at the Bema seat of Christ, he is going to call you in and ask you, what did you do with what I gave you, and what did you do with I put you on the earth for a purpose? Did you do it? Say amen. amen. That is a powerful thing to hear. If you're not doing it, you're like, ouch, start. Okay. If you are doing it, hallelujah. Now, 
right now, because I was district director for Rama in Central Florida, and I was north and 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 then west and Lord all over the place. There's too many people that left Bible school and kind of picked a town based on the number of rich people in it. Not a good idea. God is not obligated to pay the bills where he didn't send you. If you're in the military, don't take the tank and go off and fight a battle somewhere and then call and say, I need ammo. Where are you? Well, I'm over here. Yeah, but we told you, yeah, I know, but I, I don't agree with what you said. I think over here is a whole lot better place to be. You're not getting ammo. You're not getting food. You're getting kicked out of the military. You do not. It's not your tank, and it's not your life. It's his. He bought you. Okay. Is that a good point? I'm going to read that again, and and then I'm, I'm going to read the next one. You're never born to be a success. You were born to make a difference. That is the grassroots starting point of your vision. Just to be a success, just to be a success is not vision. It is selfish ambition. Too many Christians are living totally for themselves and asking God to bless it. You will end up at the end of your life with zero on your account. Thank you. Until you, okay, I'm getting ahead of myself. I don't want to read that. Okay, I'm not going to read that one. I'll read it later. I want to feel like Rush Limbaugh in a minute. Matthew 16, Matthew 16. Now, we're going to go and talk about fear here in a moment. And I'm going to tell you that fear is the primary reason people don't obey God. Did you know that? Okay, now I want to give you the definition of fear, and we're going to read this. Just What is the root of all fear? Self-preservation. What is the root of faith? God-preservation. If God is taking care of you and you believe it, you'll do what he says. But if you're taking care of you, you won't do what he says because you're preserving your own life. There is the root of all disobedience and the root of all obedience. Well, that's pretty. Now, now fear is at the root of it. We're dealing with fear in this nation right now off the chart. So let me give you an example of that that some of you are going to look at me like I'm um, I lost my ever-loving mind. Make sure you're going to Matthew 16. The mask. Now, I know I want you to just listen to what I'm going to say to you. It is worthless. if, If you ever come in at the next pandemic wearing one, I'm going to buy a hurricane fence, and I'm going to set it up in the foyer. And I'm going to sell it to you to keep mosquitoes out of your yard. (laughs) And we might have somebody buy one. The mask, the mesh in it is .125. The virus is .003. That's a BB in a four-inch square. It's called, you're an idiot. 
but they sold it to you because you were afraid. Now, I'm trying to help you. I'm not, I'm not here to criticize you. You can't keep spitting in cotton and sucking it in your lungs without your own spit making you sick. God wanted you to get your spit out. And you say, well, I don't want it on everyone else. That's what keeps your immune system up. He gave you an immune system, and it's been working for 6,000 years without babies being born with masks. Now, if you say, but I do believe in that you can transfer, the, you, you most certainly can, but if you go in a hospital and you look at a hazmat suit, it's more than a mask. You're covered from their toes to the top of their head, and they've got these ventilators on the side of their head. They look like Darth Vader, and they're in it, and they're only in it for the time they're doing the operation because wearing it more than an hour will kill you. Oh, boy, I'm preaching real good, and y'all look at me like, so I'm trying to get you through this one thing. Why are you so afraid of dying? We're going to go there, and I, and I don't want y'all to go. I See, I'm feeling. I've, I can, you guys give off mm, at time. Y'all know that? Y'all know y'all do that. And I go, ooh, I'm feeling the, the vibes, baby. I was a hippie. I know about vibes, baby. I got some vibes coming out of you. Okay, I'm going to show it to you in the Bible. Because, see, we need to come back to this. Listen, folks. We, you, you, you need to read this book, and you need to go, I'm going to do the book, okay, because he's smarter than we are, amen? All right, so, so Matthew 16, 24, Jesus said to his disciples, if anyone deny, desires to come after me, let him deny himself, take his cross, and follow me. Whoever de desires to save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. What profit is a man to gain the world and lose his soul? What is a man to gain exchange for soul? The Son of Man will come in his glory with his Father and his angels, and he will reward each one according to their what? Their works. All right, now here, here's what I'm trying to get you to see. If... People who are dead aren't afraid of dying. Do you understand that? A man who picks up his cross has already knows he's not ever coming home. Do you understand that? Your Christianity begins the day he's Lord. Not you. And then from that moment on, you're in covenant, and he determines when you. Now, see, some people say, well, you never know when the Lord. Listen to me. If you're born again and you've given him your life, he can preserve it. But if you're preserving it, you probably will not. So you have to kick the fear of dying. How? Die. Die now. Die. God, I'm here to get done what you want me to do. 
And I'm here and I ain't leaving here until I'm finished with what you want me to do. And from here on, you're responsible for my health, you're responsible for my money, and you're responsible for me in the name of Jesus. That is called faith in God. Boy, that's a, I just said a mouthful. Now, th- that happened to me. That happened to me. When I was living here and, and I had gone to Bible school and I had studied the Bible and I want to obey God, as long as what he wanted me to do is what I want to do. Well, this, this, this separates people, folks. He's not, he's not up there, well, what do you think about it? He's not doing that. So I'm driving down Overland Road in my little Toyota pickup truck and he says, when are you going to, and I'm married to Lisa and I'm, I was a youth pastor and now I'm not in ministry at all. And I've, I started a 501c3. I started my own ministry. I, start, I, 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 I started. And he's not obligated to do mine. And so he said to me, he said, when are you going to do what I want you to do? And I said, what do you want me to do? I've been praying every day. What do you want me to do, God? What do you want me to do? He said, well, I'm not going to tell you. I said, what? Well, what's with that? <laughs> well, what am I saying to him? I might not like what you said. And he said, well, I'm not going to tell you until you tell me you'll do it. I, I broke down and started crying. This has got to be the most difficult decision you'll ever make. But, but when you make it, all life becomes easy. Because you are no longer responsible for you. You don't have a worry anymore. You sleep at night. You don't have indigestion. You don't worry about anything. You have problems with people, you go, fix it. I'm just doing what you told me to do. Fix it. And I'm giving you the re- If you're scared of dying, you are God. Because God can actually keep you from dying. And you can't. <laughs> he can actually raise you from the dead if he's not done with you. Ask Paul. Paul got stoned to death, went before heaven, and he went, I ain't done with you. Come back. Am I doing good, y'all? Okay, I know this is tough, but it's the best thing you've heard this month. Amen. Amen. This is good. This is good. What I'm doing is I'm preparing you for the days ahead. I'm preparing you for rough waters. And when they happen, I want you to go to bed and go, whoop a doo Somebody's in a hood. Biden went back. <laughs> we don't care. Oh, my God, have you heard? I, I don't care. I don't even have a care. I don't worry about nothing. Good night. Because he said, my God will meet all of my needs according to his riches and glory. He didn't say nothing about the government. He didn't say nothing about public. He didn't say nothing about the bank. He just said, he'll meet. He's got to get a bird to go over to McDonald's and get me a burger and bring it to my house. He'll do it. That's his problem. But he said, I want you to go preach, and I can't preach if I'm starving to. And I'll always have gas. Whatever I'm going to need, I'll always have. And then if it gets to where I can't fly, he'll translate me. Whoop, whoop. Amen. Are you all out there? Did you go home? All right. So anyway, I'm in the truck, and I said, God, I, I, I broke over the steering wheel, and I just, Frank, I began to just bawl. I said, I'm afraid. I've already served you. I've lost a wife. I've lost daughters. I've lost 
God, I'm here right now because I was serving you and I lost it all. And he said, I know you have a family. And then he said, trust me. That's all he said. And I got over my steering wheel and I cried a bucket of tears. I said, okay. Okay, you're the boss. I'll go where you say go. I'll do what you say do. Folks, a million pounds rolled off my shoulders. I don't have to make ministry. I don't have to make a church. I don't have to make nothing. Only one request. Don't ask me to pastor. <laughs> because I can't do that. And people have told me I can't. And I still agree with you. I'm a, I'm a construction foreman. I woke up in the morning and told everybody to get up off your butt. Let's go. We're going to build a building today, hell or high water. You want me to pastor? <laughs> you don't want to put them through that. I had to learn a new language called English. Anyway, let me read another one to you. Matthew 10, 24. And we're going to go study a couple people in the Bible. A disciple is not above his teacher nor a servant above his master. It is enough for a disciple to be like his teacher and a servant be like his master. If they've called the master of the house, that's Jesus, Beelzebub, that means Lord of the dunghill, how much more will they call those of his household? Therefore, don't fear them. There is nothing convert, covered that will not be revealed and hidden that will not be known. Whatever I'm telling you in the dark, you preach it in the light. What you hear in the ear, you preach on the housetops. Don't fear those who will kill your body and they can't kill your soul, but rather you fear him who's able to destroy both your soul and body in hell. Fear God. You fear God, you won't fear men. Let me see if I want to read that now. Until you conquer fear, you will never be a strong Christian. Fear is perverted faith. You see, anytime that someone's reading the Bible and it starts talking about living right and you're not, what's happening to you is that it's scaring you like it did me. We talked about tithing a while ago. The fear is I'm afraid I'll be broke. You're already broke. <laughs> okay? God is always going to put you in a place where you're going to have to do what he said, and it's not always going to make sense to your head. So after that day in my truck, Air Mobile Ministries opened up, and I thought, yes, God. Now, here's what I'm doing, Kathy. I'm flying to the Bahamas in an airplane. In the morning, I'm shooting grouper, lobster, fish, conch bringing it back, cooking it, and preaching the gospel at night in the Bahamas. This is God. Amen. What was I so afraid of? And then the day came when I was in Laganov Island, and Melanie was there. And the Lord said, when you get back, they're going to ask you. Now, see, I have a different opinion about this church, so don't get mad at me. You didn't hire me. He called me. If he hadn't said, take it, I, I wouldn't have walked in this place. It had more trouble than any mental institution I ever saw. <laughs> and, and rightly so, the pastor before had misused the people and abused the people. And 
there's a lot of problems. But if, if, it hadn't, if it hadn't have been, he said, take it. I knew that I knew that I knew. He says, take it. I even got in the pulpit and said, don't ask me. And then I walked and I clapped and I said, how to fix that? And one of the elders, the board members, said, we know you're not calling the pastor. Would you take it until we find someone? And I laughed and I went, yeah, because I already knew what was going to happen. Because I already heard what he said, not what you said. You, there are a thousand of you don't like me. He's going to put me in that pulpit. That's the end of that. But what happened to me was that God wanted me to know that no matter what happens here, he has my back. Even when I mess up, he has my back. Now, he'll discipline me, but he'll never make you pay for it. So I knew he was going to make a go of it because he wanted a church here, not because I did or you did. Does that make sense? So when the finances didn't come in, I never lost sleep. What do I care? It's not my church. Well, y'all are looking at me like, if he tells you to start a business, it'll grow. If he tells you to marry someone you think they're crazy, marry him. But if you marry someone that is crazy and he didn't tell you to marry him, you're in trouble. You know, I, Lisa tells stories sometimes about the day, and I'm going to tell you all the story now. I'm going to tell you all the story. I'm riding down the, I, I took the youth to Cocoa Beach, and I was a youth pastor at the time, and I called Lisa and said, would you take your mama's car, that big thing, Y'all remember station wagons? Y'all remember those things? Oh, yeah. Big long stretch to the eight people in it and the back seat that folds up. And just, I said, grab that old station wagon and throw a bunch of teenagers in it and meet me at the beach. And I get there, and I got an, eight, I got an 86 Toyota four-wheel drive pickup. And uh, I love that truck. Boy, that was my faith truck. I got that truck, and God helped me get it. And Lisa goes, let me drive your truck. I went, you didn't drive my truck. You didn't drive my truck. She said, well, let me drive your truck. And I said, no. I said, well, I have a job to do. I have work to do. Kids at the beach. And she said, all of them are, are seniors in high school. They'll be fine without you for a few minutes. Let me. I said, oh, get just. And I gave her the keys. Oh, Lord. I never gave Lisa the time of day until that day. And I got in there, and she cranked it up, and she's driving down the back alley in Cocoa Beach. And the Lord said, this is your next wife. Get on with your life. And I looked at her, and I said, did you hear that? She said, what? I said, the devil just spoke to me. <laughs> I thought Satan was trying to get me off my faith. I'd been believing for my, my ex for five years. You know, there's sometimes... The, God knows, cut it and go. And I thought God was assemblies of God or Baptist, which meant that, that divorce is a sin. And, not, and if, if you do get a divorce, you never remarry. And if you definitely don't pastor a church. And he just don't believe in any of that doctrine. Well, I went home and prayed about that all night. I couldn't sleep. I woke up the next morning, and I knew that I knew that I knew that I knew that I knew. And I went, she is pretty. I said, but you're going to have to talk to her. And I, when I met her, she says, I've known it for a while. I said, well. And we sat back and started planning children, 
What do you want to do with your life? Whole nine yards. And we dated a year, a little over a year. We never jumped in bed. We never. We both made a vow right there that day. We'll, we will not. We, I won't. I won't lay a hand on you until there's a, until we're married. And I said, I, I don't want you to be in ministry and have to tell girls it doesn't work. Folks, you can do a lot of it. You can do it if God tells you. Now, are y'all out there? I don't mean to get off on all of that. But you know, when God tells you to do something, just do what he told you to do. And since then, I've gone to him and said, that woman, you gave me like Eve. And you, you need to go in. <laughs> oh, there's been a couple of times and vice versa. How many of you know that both of us have sharpened each other up pretty good? I'm being honest with y'all. Y'all, it's, it's, it's very important to pray before you do things. It, it's, it's important that you know what you're doing. Okay, that is God. Let me, let me finish reading this. Um, where, where did I stop? Um, t- t- 29. Are not two sparrows sold for a copper coin? Not one of them falls to the ground apart from your father's will? The very hairy, the hairs of your head are numbered. He knows everything. Don't fear. You're more valuable than many sparrows. Therefore, whoever confesses me before men, I'll confess before my Father who's in heaven. Whoever denies me before men, I'll deny before my Father in heaven. I didn't come to bring peace on the earth. I, didn't, I, I did not come to bring peace but a sword. Well, many people don't believe that. I have come to set a man against his father, a daughter against her mother, and a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. A man's enemies will be those of his own household. He who loves his father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. You're going to put God above mama, daddy, wife, my, the will of God for my life. Jesus trumps Lisa, and she knows it. I told her, I said, don't. I'm going to obey God. Don't get in the middle of it. And if you don't agree, I'll be obeying God while you're out there not agreeing until you get right. You know, women are looking for men that are men. It doesn't have to be the woman always dragging the people to church. Drag your wife here. (laughs) Be a man. Be a God man. Be a holy man. Be a righteous man. It takes guts to be a man of God. Well, get some guts about you. Get yourself a backbone, you old coward. In our society today, it ain't cool to be saved. I talk in tongues, so I don't care where I am. What are you, tongue-talking devil chasing all the world? Absolutely. Love Jesus. Jesus is Lord. Glory to God. I've been, I've been asked to leave parties. Uh, you're not welcome here. Glory to God on the way out. God bless all of you. Praise the name of Jesus. Jesus is coming back. Bye. Don't walk out mad. You don't need to be mad at them. They don't know any better. Okay. He who does not take up his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. He who finds his life will lose it. He loses his life for my sake will find it. Let me see. I'm running out of time here, and I need to do something real quick. Go to Numbers 13. Go to Numbers 13. You're going to love me for this in the days ahead. You're going to love me for this now if you feel listen. 
Every fear that you're facing right now is the fear of dying. Peter denied knowing Jesus for fear of dying. And then when Jesus came and got him, and he made Jesus Lord, they put him in jail one time, we're going to kill him, and he fell asleep. You know why? He's not keeping himself. You want me to preach? You better bust me out. Paul never feared death. But yet God kept him alive, didn't he? God will keep you alive. God will keep you. God can and will keep you. But you, can't. fear is self-preservation. And you can't keep you. That's why when the doctor says cancer, you go, Just look and say, if you don't heal me, I'll be home soon. You probably won't die. Because the fear will kill you faster than anything else. Does that make sense to you? I told Lisa one day, she's in there, she's had adrenal fatigue, and she's laying in the bed. And she's in there, man, she's like doing everything to stay alive, stay alive. I walked in and I said, you need to conquer the fear of dying. Oh, she got mad at me. The fear of dying? I said, conquer it if you want to live. She laid there and gave it all to God. Relaxed, began to worship God, and God brought her out of it. Do you all see that? I want you to see it. In the days ahead, you can't be running around going, oh, my God. Because if things get goofy, you're not going to get goofy. Okay. I have a revelation for you. You will all die. I've always wondered about 85-year-old people running around worried about COVID. Honey, you're about a year out, two years out now. You're, you're already hanging on a ragged thread, you know. I can't come to church. I'm afraid I'm dying. I'd get in here and shout and run around and pray I did die. Let's go home, Jesus. As, I know y'all are thinking I'm being, I'm not being, I'm not being mean. I'm telling you, this, he said it. I didn't say it. Right. Not my fault you don't read the Bible. Numbers 13, verse 25. They returned from spying the land, and after 40 days they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran and Kadesh, and they brought back word to them, and all the congregation showed them the fruit of the land. It was good land. And they told him, they said, we went to see the land, that, and truly, it flows with milk and honey. I mean, it's everything that you said. And this is the fruit. Nevertheless, did you see the people over there? My God, they're bigger than we are. And the cities are fortified, very large. Moreover, we saw the, the Democrats there and the Republicans, and oh, my God, you have no idea how bad it really is. And then we went down to the local bank, and the interest rates are off the chart, and I'm just telling you, I don't know what we're going to do. Are y'all getting this? Okay. Listen, listen to this. The Amalekites are there. Oh, let me read this. Let me go. 
who dwell on the land, the Hittites, the Jebusites, the Amorites dwell on the mountains, the Canaanites dwell by the sea, and along the banks of the Jordan. And Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let's go up at once and take possession. We're well able to come overcome it. And the men who had gone up with him said, we're not able to go against. And in the natural, they're right. Are y'all listening? You in the natural will not be able to handle the days ahead, but you're not in the natural. Amen. And that's where you have to remember, I am a supernatural man, and I have a supernatural God, and the life of God that's on the inside of me is the life he gave me, and I have given him me, and he's responsible for me. Amen. Okay, now, now listen to this. We are not able to go against people. They're stronger than we are. That was true. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report, the land that it spied out, and said, The land through which we've gone spies the land, it devours the inhabitants. And therefore we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak, came from the giants. We were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in theirs. And all the congregation lifted their voices and cried. Oh, 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 we're all going to die. <laughs> Oh, the kids are going to die. Everybody going to die. Now, they've been in the wilderness, and God's been supernaturally feeding the manna. But he couldn't possibly keep them alive now. They were already dead and didn't know it. Without God, you don't make it through a desert. Are you all out there? Without Jesus, you're already dead. And the life that you now live, you live by the faith of the Son of God who loved you and gave his life for you. And without him, you are nothings. And with him, you are everything. Why don't you just obey? Okay. And all the children of Israel complained against the pastor. And the whole congregation said, if we had only died in the land of Egypt, we would have died out here in this wilderness. Why did the Lord bring us in his law by the light? Why isn't children all going to die? We're all a bunch of victims. Would it have been better for us to go back to Egypt? Would it be better to go back? Before I got born again, I had better not do now. At least I had dope <laughs> so I could cope. So they said to one another, let's get us a new pastor and return back to Egypt. This preacher gets in here and starts talking about living right and dying to self and all that. And I don't hurt my feelings. And I'm just telling you, what, we're not going to put up with that. They fell on their faces before the assembly and the congregation and Joshua, the son of nobody. Son of none. He didn't have parents. Caleb, the son of Jeff. And they spoke to the congregation of the children of Israel and said, the land we went through is, is man, it's awesome. If the Lord delights in us, won't he bring us in this land that gives us? And don't rebel against God. Only fear the people and the land, for they are our bread and protection has departed, and the Lord is with us. Don't fear them. And the congregation said, stone them with stones. This is the church today. You start preaching on live right, by God, I'll find another church. Well, what good is that going to do you, you goofy thing? You're going to walk out of Jesus' church, and then you're going to pray and ask Jesus to help you? You know, I used to work for the, when I, the Jesus festivals. Do you know the number one thing that people stole was the Bible? What are you going to do when you get to the Scripture in it that says don't steal? <laughs> and did you know the number one culprit? Old women. 
old women thieves stealing Bibles. I'm telling you the truth. Shocked me. Roger, Roger Long came to me and says, people are stealing Bibles left and right. I need you to. And they'd walk in and they'd look at it and they'd thumb through it and they'd pretend like they're going to go to the cash register, but they didn't know where it was. <laughs> and I'd tap them on the shoulder and I said, uh, ma'am, are you going to pay for that? I'm looking for the cash register. Well, it's not outside, sweetheart. Oh, oh, it, oh, oh, it's, oh, thank you, sir, kind sir. I didn't really want that addition anyway. If I did it once, I did it 20, 30 times a day. Maybe a young person, but mostly old women. You need to watch these women right here. Just keep your eye on these ladies right here. Don't lay your Bible down where they'll get their hands on it. <laughs> I'm teasing y'all. You know that, don't you? All right, where are we going now? <clears throat> the greatest attribute you'll ever have on earth is to know your purpose. Why are you here? And to get your job done. That's your greatest attribute. You say, well, I know some men who say, well, I'm a businessman be the best one in the world for Jesus. There's nothing wrong being a businessman. I mean, dear Lord, how are we going to have a church? We don't have people run business. I don't want you in five-fold ministry if you're a businessman. I want you to be a, but I want you to be a good, godly, moral. If you're the mayor, be a godly mayor. If you're a policeman, be a righteous policeman. If you're a school teacher, be a good school teacher. Love God, support your church. God's got you strategically placed to get a job done. There is no big highs and little use. This church runs because there's a lot of good people working in it. Ain't no way in the world you want me in there with them kids. I'll put them in a closet, lock the door, and when, when, you, when you come and I'll say, which one would you have? Oh, you had little, that little kid right there. Okay, bring him out. Take him to the bathroom. He don't smell too good. Um, just not my call. Lisa's already told me I'm not allowed up here at all. I'll tell you this story, and I got to close. I, no, I, I got four more minutes. The other day, her and I come home at night, and, and she'll get on the piano, and she was trying to get me to sing that song, the Jesus, and I mean, it's up there. And she's over there singing it and going, I said, I can't hit that note. She said, yes, you can. I said, I cannot. She said, we hit the lower one. I went, and finally I looked at her and I said, can we change songs? Because I can't. Listen, I, I'm not Sandy Patty. <laughs> this, I, this is mine. That's yours. <laughs> Amen. Okay, I think I'm about done here. So what happens when you go to the Bama seat? I got Acts 20 here. I don't know what I'm doing, what that was for, but let me see if I can find it. 20. I think I remember what it was. Acts 20. 24. None of these things move me, nor do I count my life dear to myself, that I may finish my race 
with joy in the ministry the Lord gave me. Paul never sat around and worried about whether he lived or died. His whole focus was on getting the job done. That's his whole focus. I've had times when I was pretty close to going home to be with Jesus. And I went to God. I was in Texas, and my appendix had ruptured, and I went, I'm not done. You said, I, with long, well, you said you'd satisfy me. I'm not satisfied, and I know I'm not finished with what you called me to do. So this is your problem. And I went to sleep. I was full of gangrene. But I don't know what to do with gangrene. Well, they put a little, they went down to Home Depot and they got a little thing, wet vac, and they stuck it to my belly button and they <laughs> sucked it all out. And then they said, when we got it all, and I said, can I go home? And they went, no, you're sick. I said, you got the gangrene? He said, yeah. I said, I want to go home. And finally, after about two days of me arguing with the doctor, he goes, fine. They put me on an airplane. They put a plug in that hole. What they didn't tell me was all that water had nowhere to go. So I'm getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And so on the airplane, I told him, I said, have you ever heard about a man having babies? I'm fixing to have one. I have, I'm pregnant. I'm like nine months big. I mean, my belly was out like here. And the stewardess had believed it. They're like, I saw a pregnant man today. I got home, went to bed, laid and prayed in the Holy Ghost, loved Jesus. Got in a pair of Wednesday. Never took a pain pill. <laughs> just had a massive operation. I'm, I'm not bragging on me. I'm just bragging on God. God is a good God. I said, I, I, I'm laying in the hospital working on Wednesday sermon because that's what I do. And if you can't get me to my own church on Wednesday, well, then there's something wrong up there. <laughs> Kenneth Hagin told the Lord one time he was a million dollars behind at Raymond. And he said, if you don't pay your bills, I'm going to go tell everybody that you're just, you just can't pay your bills. And, and I, I'm going to go to every church and apologize for you and tell them God does not pay his bills. You started this school. I did not. You have a million-dollar debt. Now you need to pay it. And I'm going to go home and go sleep. I thought, I'm glad he talked to God like that. He says, shortly after that, a million dollars came in. It was his school. Brother Hagin said, hey, mine, I don't want to do this. I did not want to do this. Now, are y'all out there? Are you out there? God wants you to live your life carefree. He's got me. And this is grace is when you're in the middle of his will. He gives more grace. So if he tells you to do something, you don't do it, and you're like, I don't really want to do that. Yeah, you better. Okay, I'll do it. I wish I had time to tell you about when he told me to go to India. Oh, y'all, listen. There's, there's no resort. There's no beach. Food is terrible. It stinks. And, there's, and two weeks of, of, of ministry work is really ministry work. Okay. And I, see, I said, I don't want to go to India. And he said, I want you to go to India. I said, I don't want to go to India. When I got to India, the... the they had a riot in a city, and I couldn't get, the last day I couldn't get home. And I said, you told me to come, and I obeyed you. I need you to get me home. I obeyed you. I came here. I did what you said. A tractor in a rice paddy pulled up to my taxi. 
there's a hundred cars in this road and there's a they've got the town blocked off keeping me from getting to the airport and I can't I, I don't speak Malayalam or Telugu I can't get there I just sat there and crossed my arms and said you said come and I obeyed you now you get me home and that guy walked up, came up to the taxi and said and my taxi got behind that red tractor and followed him to the backside of the town and he drove behind people's houses we went under clotheslines now I'm going to ask you a question who's on the tractor it has to be an angel y'all there's no way in the world it's anything but there's no way in the world a guy on a tractor picks one taxi out and takes him around the backside of a town and I mean it was so tight between houses that if you stuck your hand out the door it'd eat your it'd eat the skin off your knuckles and I mean you know how sewer is in a city it's open sewers we went down in sewers and popped out the other side and then we went behind another house and turned. And then we went in front of someone's house. And we did this for half an hour until we popped out on the other side of the city. And the, and the, and the tractor driver said, and the, the taxi driver said, and then he took me to the airport. No way in the world. No way in the world for me to get out of this mess. But, but I, I had an argument. I said, told you I didn't want to come here and I came here and I did what you said you get me home <laughs> and he did come on y'all when, when, when things get tough the best place to be is in the middle of the will of God and I'm going to give you one scripture if you're worried about dying just go ahead and die that fixes that. Dead people don't get angry. Dead people don't get mad. Dead people don't even worry. I mean, go to the morgue, pull it out and say, hey, what kind of a day you have? Hey, guy, just ignore you. <laughs> Slap him a little bit. He won't even be bothered by it. That's what Jesus meant when he said, lay your life down. That's what he meant. Give it to me and let me have it. And dead people... You can be happy. How you doing, Dick? Dead. <laughs> Dead to sin. Dead to criticism. Dead to worry. Dead to fear. I'm just dead. Having a good time being dead. And then when my time comes, you'll come into church one day and they'll go, Pastor's gone and I want you to go. Good. God's done. I ain't leaving until I'm done, and I ain't staying another hour longer. I've already put notes in my gun case so the next guy tries to steal them. I've already made dummy ammo that'll blow up. Never mind, I'm teasing you. I'm teasing you. I did this tonight because I, I'm concerned about you and this earth. I am concerned. I, I don't think things... Russia's not getting better. Ukraine's not getting better. The United States is not getting better. Folks, it's not getting better. It's going to get worse. But you are going to do well. I preached this whole sermon for this one reason. You are going to do well. 
go, like Peter, you're going to go, they're going to kill you in the morning. <laughs> Good night. Ain't going anywhere. Do y'all see that? I'm going to pray for everybody in the building. I'm going to pray for everyone else. Father God, everybody here right now and those watching online, I pray we'd come to realize why you said what you said. You were not taking anything from us to pick up a cross. You were telling us that purpose is the greatest reason for ambition. It's, it's the greatest goal of destiny. Why am I here? And I pray every one of us will find out why I'm here and what it is you want me to do and not to fear what lies ahead, whether it's decisions, whether it's marital, whether it's family. We fear nothing. I refuse to be afraid of anything. You said God didn't give me a spirit of fear. I have power, love, and a sound mind. All of us in here do, Father. The Father started tonight just like that day I wept over my steering wheel. If there's anybody in this room right now that has not dealt with that, I pray they do it tonight. They'll just lay it down and go, God. And we're not laying down before the devil, but we are laying down before you. We'll go where you say go and do what you say do the way you say do it. And we'll give you the glory and honor for everything you do in Jesus' name. Now let me ask you a question. I'm going to answer a question you just asked. What, what about if I don't know the will of God? If you ask him, he'll tell you. And if he doesn't tell you, just do whatever your hand finds to do now. Don't be afraid of that. If he isn't talking to you, just keep doing what you're doing. And then just let God be God. When you start getting promptings to make adjustments, follow the prompting. See, many of you are right in the middle of the will of God. You're not. He's got you where he wants you. But it may come a day like, to, like with me, and he says, I want you to do this and go here and do that. I'm like, okay. My family does not understand it. They're chasing money, not my family. But they're chasing success. They're chasing careers. They're not chasing God. If you please him, you know how many problems in the world. There's times I thought I was going to, well, I took a cut in pay to take this. I went from 600 a day to 400 a week. That's a cut in pay. I know you that's a cut. But I said, okay, what are you going to do? You called me, you hired me, you're the boss. Now I look at Lisa and go, you're the boss. Did you enjoy this? Does this help you? Okay. We, we need to talk more about overcoming fear as the days ahead. We're going to talk about overcoming it. Don't allow it. Don't allow it in you. Find the fears that, that you deal with and deal with them. Put them under your feet. We hope you enjoyed this message by Word of Life Church. We just wanted to let you know there's a lot more content on our website at wolapopka.com. From our YouTube channel, to our podcast, to our SoundCloud, and many more events. We also wanted to let you know that we love giving you these messages. And it helps us too that if you would love to give to the what we're doing, it helps keep all these messages free. You can just simply go to our website and click the big Give Now button. Or you can text 407-955-5345. And remember, our pastor's vision is this. We grow Christians. 
So we thank you for listening and we'll see you next time. 